And we need to mention that Remicus has said oh, categorically, yeah. don't phone me. Yeah. Don't yeah, call. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's Friday, November 24th, two days after the general election, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and Torrentje Watcher, and with me today is Gordon Derek, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and Political Stroopwafel Analyst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been uh, you've been creative with uh, stroke waffles uh, the past week. Uh, can you tell us uh, what you were thinking? <laughs> um, was I, I was thinking of stroke waffles. I think really, I think I was watching election coverage and thinking I really need a stroke waffle right now. Now I was trying to just think of a way of visualizing this whole complicated business of how we form. Uh, cabinets and put coalitions together in the Netherlands, which is always usually at least three parties, sometimes even four, and thought, how can you visualize this? And uh, I saw the NOS and all the things have these uh, quite um, bland visualizations of uh, parliamentary seats, so you can put your own coalition together. And I thought, well, uh, the obvious uh, way to do it is with a pie chart. And how do you make a pie chart a bit uh, more appetizing? Uh, stick a store baffle underneath <laughs> it. That was kind of it, really. But it seems to have taken off on Twitter. As I, as I sort of thought it would. I think, you know, st- people like store baffles and people like things that, are a bit, things that are a bit fun. So it's been nice to see lots of reaction to these uh, uh, store baffles where I've just basically tried to put together the potential coalitions um, on yeah. A stop, overlay it on a stop valve to show how you can make a majority of uh, 76 seats in the Tveda Kama and also a majority in the Senate. We'll talk about this when we get into the serious yeah. bit, but uh, yeah, that, that's what I was trying to do. And it turns out to be, uh, uh, it's going to be difficult to get uh, yeah. a full stroke waffle both in the uh, upper chamber and Indeed. in the lower chamber. Yeah, you've yeah. got to look at both sides of the stroke waffle. That's the yeah. important point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I've been uh, paying close attention to the Torentje, that's the Prime Minister's office uh, at the Binnenhof. It's the little tower on the left if you're standing on the Hof 5 mm-hmm. next to the, the Maurits House Museum. The to the uh, Maurits House Museum. So. Indeed. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, the highlight of the campaign is always the uh, Jeugdjournaal debate. Did you watch it this time? I did watch it, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, the final challenge was uh, the politicians had to build their own torrentje. Uh, it was uh, sort of a 3D puzzle. And uh, Wilders and Jesselkus uh, quite... Uh, <laughs> they cheated a little bit because yeah. they stole two of the pieces of their other politicians' yeah. team. So they, they, they couldn't... They undermined their rivals' torrentje, basically. Yeah, 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 indeed. So, uh, yeah, they couldn't finish their torrentje <laughs> because, yeah, they were missing pieces pieces and yeah. yeah they didn't realize that uh, that was actually the case so uh, yeah the, the team of the Jesukas and um, uh, and Wilders and who was the other guy Bo- Bontebal, Bontebal I think of Cedia yeah, he was yeah. the one who, who was actually building the entire thing yeah he was the one in charge they so as, as, ever, as ever the junior partner does all the real work in the coalition, <laughs> yeah. indeed um, yeah so uh, so they won and they built their little tower that's the prime minister's office it's the symbol of, of uh, yeah um, how do you call that um, like uh, when we talk about the uh, British Prime Minister, we always say... We're talking about uh, number 10, don't we? Number yeah. 10, the White yeah. House in the United States, uh, the Elysee in France. Uh, yeah, we, we uh, when we refer to the Prime Minister's office, we say het torentje, which means yeah. the little tower. And yeah. it actually is a little tower because uh, when Emmanuel 
Emmanuel Macron visited uh, Mark Rutte a couple of years ago and uh, Rutte showed him his office. Uh, Macron was clearly, you could clearly see uh, that he was thinking, is this it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a very Dutch thing that the leader of the country has this very small <laughs> office that's, you know, tucked away behind the, the big grand parliament building. So, yeah, 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 indeed. And uh, yeah, I was in the... If it was to complete the picture, they should have a really uh, precarious staircase leading up to it, you know? One that uh, you actually hurt yourself if you fell down it. Oh, yeah, very, yeah. very steep, uh, very yeah, steep very, staircase. Very steep and yeah. narrow, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. The, the front door uh, doesn't have any stairs at all. So, yeah, that's also quite Dutch, very <laughs> egalitarian, I think. Yeah. Um, but I was in The Hague uh, yesterday uh, and I was uh, uh, walking past the Hofvijver and I saw so- all sorts of commotion uh, at the corner where the, where the Prime Minister's office is. And it turned out that Greenpeace had a stunt. They had, um, uh, uh, yeah, they had a, an inflatable boat and they uh, went to the Prime Minister's the office and hang up some um, uh, some uh, some banners yeah. um, and uh, yeah I, I was there I missed I missed uh, the, the the whole thing but they were they were escorted uh, by the police to a uh, yeah to a police car right um, they were arrested and uh, turned out that I saw a picture later that Margrethe was actually hanging out of the window of the torrentje to see what all the commotion was about. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out that he was actually, yeah, discussing the thing Greenpeace was uh, was uh, was protesting against uh, uh, with them as it was happening. And I thought, yeah, uh, there, there are pr- probably not many countries where uh, such a scene uh, would unfold. <laughs> uh, it was, was yeah. a great picture, uh, and you could see it in the Telegraaf. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, looked looked very fun, but I, yeah, yeah, I just missed true. it. Yeah, unfortunately, you saw Greta literally hanging out of the yeah. window of the Torrentia, over looking over the um, the Hoffe for the the yeah. pond. It's uh, at it's outside the Parliament complex. Yeah, and, and but people are tweeting it and saying, "Don't do it, Mark," because he's <laughs> sort of two, two stories above the uh, um, above the little lake. Uh, do a flip. Yes, and that brings us uh, to the op of the week. This is not about the Jeugdjournaal uh, debate, but uh, instead the other uh, big debate on uh, Tuesday evening, organized by the NOS uh, and broadcast live from the entrance hall of the temporary Tweede Kamer building. This uh, slot debate, this uh, yeah, closing debate, is uh, generally seen as the most important TV debate debate because it is always held the night before the general election and that's why for once in a shocking turn of events all lead candidates showed up mm. there were no uh, cancellations by uh, by important figures no. um, called off no uh, and in uh, yeah one of the small segments in which the debate was uh, was divided uh, between three lead candidates in this case uh, Jessel Gus of the VVD Peter Omtzigt of NSC and Frans Timmermans of GroenLinks PvdA um, one member of the audience all of a sudden uh, stepped out uh, onto the podium uh, he was wearing an overall with some text and he started yelling at the three politicians the young man uh, shouted words like old politics and he pointed at Jessel Gus saying that the VVD should never return to a position of power and after some time and yeah I was watching this live and it honestly it felt like forever mm. uh, the security um, personnel uh, came on st- came onto the stage and uh, they arrested him they forced forcefully removed him um, and the protester was soon revealed to be Daniel von Duin he's the lead candidate of LEF that's a new political party yeah. that uh, actually took part in the election and aims at discharging all student loans, for example, and legalizing drugs. And over the course of the campaign, Van Duin had made uh, the news several times with uh, other stunts. Uh, for example, he hanged a uh, poster behind the window of a Sunday morning talk show, Buitenhof, 
uh, for once, Buitenhof was, uh, was you, you weren't yeah. falling asleep while you're watching it. <laughs> no, no, yeah, something interesting was going on during yeah. Buitenhof. Yeah. yeah, and it was quite dangerous because that studio is, is located on the second or third floor of a building, right. and he was actually using a ladder, and he almost fell 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 down from it. So it, mm. um, it was uh, quite, quite, quite dangerous, and he also tattooed his uh, party's 10 priorities on his arm. Uh, he parked a wreck at the Hofpfeiffer a couple of weeks ago as well. So uh, he, he, he did some stunts, um, but this stunt in particular did not gain him as much sympathy as the others, no. um, especially given the fact that a number of politi- politicians present at the debate are receiving the highest level of security uh, because of death threats, uh, not only from lunatics uh, in the member of the politics, but also terrorists or organized yeah. crime. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Quite a serious uh, security breach. And, of course, a few days ago, far-right FVD leader Thierry Baudet was hit on the head with a glass bottle in a bar in Groningen. And that was the second time he was attacked in public uh, in a couple of weeks' time. So, um, Mm. yeah, it was... um, uh, um, um, you you really could feel the tension in the room. I think. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a good judgment to I me. Mean, some of left stunts have been fun, but uh, this one was uh, a bit misjudged. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I have to say the politicians remained very cool and very calm. Yeah. Uh, so that was uh, that was impressive, and they just continued the debate as if nothing happened. So uh, yeah, it was uh, maybe it felt from where they were standing not as serious as it looked I don't know but yeah they, they kept their cools uh, and uh, that was quite impressive I thought yeah. Van Duyn was arrested for disrupting a public event which I didn't know was a was an offence <laughs> but okay uh, he will be prosecuted not for for that thing but he for resisting his arrest he was released on Wednesday so he still had uh, time to uh, cast his vote even though Left did not uh, win a seat in parliament uh, but he did obtain a restraining order for the Tweede Kamer building on election night so, oh. um, yeah. so he couldn't go up and ride up and down the staircase no nope. uh, the, the escalator even you couldn't ride up and down the escalator yeah yeah, it was uh, also quite a remarkable image seeing all these politicians going down the escalator. And it, um, <laughs> the, the, we, we've seen a lot of comparisons with uh, the election results and, and Donald Trump in, uh, in international media. But uh, yeah. a, 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 him descending down from a golden um, uh, escalator is, uh, is definitely a parallel with, uh, with Trump that is actually does yeah. making sense, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. This week we are going to uh, discuss the uh, election results at length, uh, and after that we have some short uh, stories for you in store, including uh, some um, uh, what is it? Some animal news. Some animal news, yes, yeah. from Tilburg. We mm. have some uh, sports for you in store as well and as some, uh, some motoring so news as well. I think. Yeah, and some motoring yeah. news, yeah. stuff about fines. So. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Gordon, uh, did you uh, did you recover from your election hangover already or not? Uh, oof, just uh, just about, I think. Slightly. Uh, it was uh, yeah, it was a bit of a yeah, it, it turned into a very dramatic election night at the end of uh, what we said on our election night podcast already was uh, been quite a dull, stultifying campaign up until the last couple of days, and it suddenly livened up and a result that I think absolutely nobody expected um and it's left us with a huge number of unanswered questions as well we will try to um uh, yeah get through some of those uh, i'm not sure how many answers we're going to have but uh, we'll certainly get through we'll, we'll certainly get uh, right stuck into the questions we will we so. will definitely raise the questions yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah if we're going to answer them that is uh, that is uh, a different story yeah um let's take a look first at the actual results we discussed on wednesday the exit polls they were were they accurate yeah they were they're fairly accurate yeah the, fairly only thing, accurate, the yes. main thing was of course they slightly underestimated 
underestimated uh, the the PFFA's win, which is quite yeah. startling because when we saw the exit poll, it said thirty five seats. No one could quite believe it, but it's uh, turned out to be even more. Yeah, they turned out to be to win thirty six full seats, and they gained another one with uh, with the with the rest seat um, uh, calculations, which yeah. are always dreadfully complicated. Yeah, the uh, default so formula. If uh, for any uh, anoraks who are listening, not to be confused with uh, Maurice de Hond, of course. No. <laughs> Um, so uh, the far right uh, anti-Islam, anti-immigration uh, party anti of Geert Wilders, yeah. anti-Europe, anti-everything, um, won the, ex- uh, the election with 37 seats. That's a gain of 20 seats compared to last time, um, and f- uh, 10 more than than were predicted in the latest poll. So yeah, they uh, yeah, it is really a monster win uh, by Geert Wilders, and yeah. it does mean that he has the initiative for forming a coalition. Yeah, and really um, a late surge as well. I think it's not the polls were wrong. It's just that in the last couple of days. People, there was, I think, there's a lot of tactical voting going on, and people switched to the PFFA in the last minute. Even though, when yeah. you say, you say tactical voting, that's voting for not your preferred candidate, yeah. but uh, a second or a third choice uh, in order to avoid the win of a, of, a, of another party, which you absolutely hate. Mm. Uh, we all thought that uh, people would. Yeah, vote strategically en masse for GroenLinks PvdA, the left-wing coalition. Uh, But that turned out not to be the case uh, at all. No. No, there wasn't really a a tactical voting on the left because GroenLinks, who were projected, I think, uh, just before the election to win 26 or 27 seats, ended up with 25. Yeah. Yeah. And even though every Vox Pop, every interview I saw over the day, uh, yeah, that 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 were people who said, yeah, I was go- I have voted strategically, but yeah, uh, I, I spoke um, to people who said exactly that. Said, uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm usually a loyal Data and Zestig voter, but this time I'm voting for Franz Timmermans. Yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah that was odd. And then uh, yeah, 25 seats for the left wing alliance, and the third uh, party is uh, the VVD, the uh, the right wing liberals of uh, of of Mark Rutte, the outgoing prime minister, of course. Yeah. Uh, they were. Led by Dylan Yesogus, and uh, yeah, she was leading the polls up to a week ago, <laughs> yep. literally a week, less than a week ago, and uh, she turned out to be the third uh, largest party in uh, in the Tweede Kamer. A loss of ten seats, by the way, and we have to say that uh, the Left Wing Alliance won eight seats compared to uh, their result uh, two years ago. Yeah, when there were two separate parties. When they were two separate parties, yes. And on election night, uh, Dutch News sent our very own Molly Quell to VVD HQ in uh, The Hague. Uh, Gordon spoke to her yesterday and she had this to say about the mood in uh, the room when the exit polls arrived at 9pm. So Molly, you were there at VVD campaign headquarters on Wednesday evening when the exit poll was published. How did it go down? Was I? I'm not sure I remember at this point. Where it, was. <laughs> um, it was it was kind of fascinating because obviously this was totally fucking unexpected, right? Just no no one hmm. no one in the press room had pre-written Wilder's landslide victory story, right? So everyone is I think Wilder's hadn't written a Wilder's landslide victory. No, Wilder's speech, was also right? shocked. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you saw yeah. his reaction at the at the thing, yeah. So you're sort of standing there. I was kind of standing there in this like scrum of press in this very crowded hall where they're doing this like countdown. And of course, the NOS likes to dick around with their like, oh, the PVV is the biggest party, but how many seats will it be kind of thing? But it was funny because, of course, there was it was like a subdued reaction initially from the Vivide party members who were 
not super bummed at their thing, but also not super pleased, right? But then the secondary reaction to how many seats the PVV had got, like, just obviously much more reaction. And it was very bizarre because I think people were initially shocked and then kind of accepting. I think that they were pleased, I guess, maybe to not have to govern with Timbermans. That's what a few people told me, that that, that, that doing it with Wilders is better than doing it with Timbermans. Um, but I don't know exactly if I think that people who woke up this morning still thought that necessarily. Um, I think especially after hearing some of the things that Wilders was saying last night. Yeah. And after I got over the initial shock, uh, what was the feeling about possibly going into a coalition with Wilders? Because, of course, Yeshilgas had said initially that she wouldn't do that if Wilders was prime minister. I mean, nobody seems to have a problem with this. I, I don't know. Now, my impression is, is that it was this was just Ritz's personal vendetta because the party members did not really seem to have. I mean, you know, I had to go around and vox pop all these people and ask them, like, how they thought about this. And pretty much everybody said, like, some version of well, you know, there's a lot of stuff we don't agree with with the PVV, but that's true of every other party and we're going to have to come. I think in defense of VVD folks, there was several people who sort of mentioned that like Wilders' anti-Islam stuff is in contradiction of the Constitution and we don't support that. We're happy to have discussions about anti-immigration, but you got to like stop it with this like banning the Quran nonsense. Yeah, yeah. And just finally, uh, what were the snacks like? <laughs> so I... I have no idea, um, of course, <laughs> but I did have this very funny. So I was there with a German camera crew, and at some point they had busted out the bitterbala, and this dude turned around and grabbed, like, as we were sort of working our way through the crowd, a bitterbala. And what do you think he did, Gordon? What did he do with the bitterbala? He put it straight in his mouth. Put the whole fucking thing in his mouth in one go. And then he, and then he in, exploded. Exactly. And I. <laughs> could not stop laughing at this poor guy who was like in agony but he said that the bitter bullet was good i didn't manage to eat any yeah it was really it was quite terrible and then oh, no. we were all so depressed at the end that i had two not one but two heinekens before i left which was just makes me feel terrible about myself i think that is uh, as accurate a measure of your mu- yeah, mood as, uh, exactly yeah, as i get and yeah, then i had no, to cycle okay. home which all we all know i all hate so it was like the worst yeah well, thanks for joining us, Molly, and I hope you can tuck into a tray of delicious bitter bollen uh, carefully, carefully before, to, carefully uh, before the, the weekend's uh, out. Yeah, yeah, let's hope yeah. so. All right, thanks, guys. And then a fourth party, New Social Contract, the newcomer uh, yeah. of uh, Peter Omzicht, polled to, yeah, they were they were initially assumed to be um, yeah a contender of the of becoming the largest party. The fourth party now with only 20 seats, only 20 seats. I was say, say, yes, yes, say only 20 seats, and yet it's only three months since he founded the party. Yes, and yeah. at that time he was projected to win perhaps 40 seats. So mm. um, he has been in the polls uh, in a sharp decline, or, it's not, or, or not a sharp decline, a, a steady decline. Yeah. Um, so 20 seats is probably a disappointing result for Peter Omzicht. Yeah. Well, uh, on the other yeah. hand, Peter Omzicht has said that uh, he didn't want to grow too big too fast. So in that sense, he's got his wish and he's got a manageable group of 20 MPs. Um, he, he obviously he, he, he looked for a lot of campaigns if he was going to get more. Um, I don't know if he's going to be uh, hugely disappointed by that result. Uh, he's got a decent contingent, and he'll have a, yeah. he'll have a he'll have a big role in the coalition talks. 
even though um, yeah, he uh, uh, um, uh, his comments have been a little bit ambiguous, I think, over the past uh, yes. months. Yeah. So it's uh, it's it still remains a mystery what he's actually thinking and what he is actually wanting. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 with twenty seats, he can be very happy, of course. And uh, um, yeah, we will talk about his chances to be to ending up in a coalition later i think not uh, let's not dive too deep uh, no. into that right now then at uh, the big loser of the campaign uh, of the election d66 um they only won nine seats which is uh, uh, more than ex- expected initially i think uh, but it's still a loss of, of 15 seats yeah. and uh, yeah devastating result for uh, for the for the other liberal party um yeah, very yeah. much. And uh, I guess this also shows, I mean, Dezen Zestig with the big hope at the last election, they won 24 seats, they finished second. It shows how uh, how volatile things are in Dutch politics. We see this yeah. monster win for the PVV now, but uh, a party that does very well at one election uh, can be punished by voters at the next one. And that, that applies across the political spectrum. And then the Boerburgerbeweging, the Farmer Citizens Movement of Caroline van der Plas, uh, the big winner of the election before this the provincial elections when they were the party that won 25 percent of the of the, yeah. of the votes and uh, now only seven seats but yeah that's a win of six seats compared to their last resu- tweede kamer results um also a disappointing result probably for caroline van der plas um she uh yeah claims to be very happy with it but of course it's still a win of six seats but uh, yeah it is uh, definitely not a result they were thinking of uh, 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 ending up with two months ago I think no well if you cast your mind back to the start of the campaign or when the cabinet collapsed uh, they were the front runners remember yeah. they and the Fefe day were both predicted to get uh, you know nearly 30 seats and she ended up with seven Again, a sign of how volatile things are. Even yeah. though, uh, yeah, they were the one uh, that was the party d- who were challenging the, the the status quo and the establishment, of course, back then. And um, soon after, there was a newcomer uh, uh, coming around the corner in the form of a new social contract of Peter Omzicht, and you yeah. saw that voters uh, immediately uh, switched uh, to 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 that other hopeful uh, uh, candidate. Yes. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that struck me during this campaign is that Caroline van der Plas. Early in the, uh, every time that she uh, expressed a willingness to work with another party, um, it seemed to drive uh, votes to that party. Start off with Omzicht, <laughs> and when she said, "Yeah, I don't," she said literally, "I want to be with Peter," meaning in a coalition. Yeah. Um, and then people started voting for Omzicht, and then later on she kind of switched and said, uh, "I would, uh, you know, I, I would consider supporting uh, a Geert Wilders government," and that seemed to have. Uh, yeah, immediately after that, Wilder started picking up votes. So that's a sharp co- observation. Yeah, 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 I haven't uh, haven't thought about that. Yes. Um, so hopefully for CDA, she will uh, say at some point that she's willing to cooperate <laughs> with the Christian <laughs> Democrats yeah. because they lost ten seats. Uh, they went from fifteen to five. Uh, of course, uh, it's a party in crisis. They uh, um, had appointed Henry Bontebal as its new leader, which is. Uh, uh, yeah, everyone seems to be happy with him, and uh, yeah, he even got some praise from other, uh, other, other, other candidates. Um, and yeah, the the ironic thing here is that everyone seems to value uh, Henry Bontebal, but they are still not willing to vote for they're him. They're still not voting for him. No, uh, they vote for other parties. <laughs> we yeah. like the guy, but we're not going to vote for yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, but but the CDR. I mean, they were they're still the party of the previous prime minister um, Balkenende, yeah. and in those days, the CDR got. Uh, sometimes we get more than 40 seats at an election yep. and that is yep. only 15 years ago it's uh, again shows how volatile things are 
the next uh, party is uh, OE. If you forgot uh, the SP, the Socialist Party. The yeah. Uh, yeah, probably because it was the seventh time in a row that uh, Lilian Marijnis uh, lost uh, lost uh, seats in uh, yeah. in the election. So is she under any pressure as leader? Is it likely to no. be a challenge? No. No, it is because they don't understand why they are losing voters. Uh, um, uh, I think uh, Lilian Marijnis, she is a strong leader. She's a good communicator. She, um, she, she isn't making any blunders in the sense that uh, yeah she's uh, causing outrage or anything or, or causing scandals it's just that uh, they don't seem to yeah capitalize on 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 issues where people it, it is their their issues they they always campaign yeah. with which were the number one issues in these camp in these in this election uh, yeah but it, they don't seem to capitalize on it and I also don't understand why they keep losing seats because, yeah, I don't think it is an unsympathetic party or anything. They have some good points, of course, yeah. for their. They have some good MPs as well. There's some very hardworking MPs who. Very yeah, good MPs. Who, uh, yeah, who, I think, you know, managed to achieve more in Parliament than, say, the PFFA. And yet, yeah, 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 yeah people yeah, don't definitely. vote for them. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, that's a bit of a, it. It remains a mystery, the Socialist Party. Um, but I think Lilian Moranis is still uh, is not uh, considering to uh, to step down. Yeah. Um, then the ChristenUnie, that's uh, was the smallest uh, coalition partner for the for the past two cabinets. Of course, they uh, usually tend to win a stable five seats. Mm-hmm. This time they lost two, so they only end up with three seats, which is also. Uh, yeah, quite shocking, I say, because um, uh, I have to say, because the Christian does have a very loyal uh, support base, usually. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is a painful blow for them. And uh, it shows that e- when even Christian supporters uh, no longer trust <laughs> the Christian Uni, yeah. it probably shows that um, the middle parties, the, the established parties, uh, are really losing trust. And that's also reflected by the big win of uh, of the uh, of the anti-establishment party uh, yeah. PFFA, I think. Yeah, and perhaps as well, uh, the, the, even in the Bible Belt, uh, people uh, indulged in a bit of tactical voting. Uh, yes. But they will have felt very guilty about it. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yes. <laughs> um, and another big surprise is the Partij voor de Dieren, the Animal Rights yeah. Party. Uh, they also lost uh, half of their seats. They went down from six to uh, to three. And uh, a month or two ago, they were projected to, to win 10 seats. Yeah. And um, the NOS did some analysis on where voters uh, went. Um, uh, when And the people who voted for the Partij voor de Dieren last time, they uh, migrated to a very curious range of, uh, of 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 political parties across the spectrum yeah i, th- I think they, a lot of uh, pay for the day voters just just didn't vote this time yeah right? a quarter of them the didn't vote of non-voters yeah. yeah 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 so um also a bit of a mystery this party i think yeah um yeah well, maybe that's their way of protesting against the way they'd handled the leadership crisis i don't know yeah that I, I don't think there was another explanation, but yeah, right. what was the outcome of this leadership, uh, 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 this political drama that we've seen at the Partij for the Deer? It was that everything remained the same. Everything remained the same, yeah, yeah. But it so, exposed uh, the fact that the yeah there was a clear rift between uh, the board and the uh, the political leadership. And then um, yeah, there are some smaller parties. Prote- uh, Form for Democracy lost five seats. Uh, they only have three now, which was the number they had. They had some uh, some uh, splinter, yeah. uh, some split offs uh, in the past uh, two years, and um, it's not the all. B- 
Yeah. The SGP, of course, three seats. Denk, three seats. The um, uh, immigration part, party. Volt yeah. um, went down from three to two. Uh, and yeah, 21 also from three to one. Yeah, well, that's, uh, but, but that's actually how many seats those two parties actually have, of course, because they've also lost MPs since yeah. the last election. Yeah, indeed. And by Ain, um, the uh, yeah, the, the the woke party. No, I, yeah. I, I, I call that what's a, <laughs> yeah. what's a good term? For yeah, they're, they're, but they're, they're a radical left wing party. Radical left wing party. They were calling themselves a pro equality party. I think um, yeah. pro equality and yeah. uh, uh, bordering communism. Communism <laughs> sometimes. Um, yeah, they lost. Uh, they lost. Uh, of course, their um, f- yeah, their charismatic leader uh, Silvana Simons. She uh, she quit politics. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 in the wake of the uh, in the wake of the resignation of uh, Mark Rutte, uh, and they didn't manage to win uh, to rerun their seats, so uh, they are out yeah. of parliament as well as 50 plus. Even though at some point at the exit poll they were projected to win one seat, very yeah. mysteriously. Yes. Uh, and uh, there are great videos of uh, of all these um, old people celebrating <laughs> uh, their <laughs> potential seats. Even though yeah, it was all in vain because they uh, didn't end up with uh, a single seat. Unfortunately uh, for them. Yeah. So that 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 was wasted Geneva then. Yeah. <laughs> So um, the uh, it's dramatic uh, yeah. outcome. Yeah, and West, uh, I think one other thing I'd pick, uh, just like point I'd like to raise uh, in the context of all these results is uh, how many seats the coalition lost because all the coalition yeah. parties lost seats and uh, Faith Day are down ten, Zestek are down fifteen, CDA down ten, and Christian even Christian Uni lost. So in total, the coalition have lost what is that? That is twenty for third thirty-seven out of the seventy-nine seats they had. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and it clearly shows that. I mean, um, it was the same coalition as Rutte's third cabinet, of course. Uh, back then, the uh, coalition actually gained seats in it that did, election. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, pro- people will probably analysts say that yeah, this has had everything to do with the Corona pandemic in which we were, which was still ravaging back then. It was coming yeah. to a close, but we couldn't know for certain back then. And no, uh, yeah. we, we, we still had, still had a curfew during the last election. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, 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 they voted for. I guess for people who were um, uh, anxious about uh, the pandemic and they, they felt like the government was um, uh, was managing the pandemic uh, reasonably well, and so they uh, yeah they, they saw stability and continuing with the same four parties. Yeah, it's sh- and, and uh, analysts say that uh, under normal circumstances, uh, this this coalition would probably never have won. Uh, seats back then yeah. even though yeah, we, we, we will never know for certain of course but um, they were already past our exa- uh, 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 expiration date even though I mean it's only two and a half years since the last election they, the, yeah. the cabinet did have another year and a half of its term to run uh, when Ritter pulled the plug back in July so yes yeah. and um yeah this uh, this result shows I think that um People have lost trust in 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 the centrist parties, in the in the established parties. I think. Yeah. Um, and it, it, they, uh, especially when it comes to immigration, which was uh, perhaps the main topic, one of the main topics uh, in in this election campaign. It was also the issue on which the the cabinet uh, collapsed. Um, and uh, people feel like, yeah, we, we, we cannot trust uh, the established parties with this issue anymore. Our only option right now is to, uh, t- is to vote for uh, a party such as the Partij voor de Vrijheid, yeah. which has uh, a, a number of major 
problems uh, uh, with it, I think. But um, yeah, it, it it shows how how desperate uh, the voters are, and uh, and some people say it is, uh, another con- contributing factor was the fact that Dylan Yesokus early on in the campaign said, "I'm open to to uh, collaboration with the PVV." Margrethe always ruled them out categorically, but she opened the door a little bit for them. And yeah. um, some analysts say that that uh, also opened the door for the electorate to uh, to start voting in such high quantities for uh, for Geert Wilders, even though we have to say that Geert Wilders himself probably didn't expect such a high result because he only has 45 candidates on the candidate list. Yeah. And with 38 seats, that is a major problem because, yeah, if you ran out of con- candidates on your list at some point and the PVV has proven to be a f- quite an unstable party, mm. um, and also when he ends up in a coalition and he has to uh, appoint some ministers from... Uh, uh, he has to appoint some ministers from his uh, from his MPs, and uh, at some point he will run out of candidates, and that means vacant seats. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's something. Yeah, for that, the, that's, that's for the getting a little bit ahead of ourselves there. Yeah. But yeah, that is potentially going to be very interesting. But yeah, I think going back to debates, I think that what what I thought was interesting was the way the debates as, as the campaign wore on immigration became the issue. I think in the yeah. beginning it wasn't really. It was mainly the issues that Peter Omzicht uh, put forward. He kind of set the tone for the debate. I think he established the frame, which is going to be about uh, Bestand's Zegerheit, security of existence, cost of living, how he made sure that people could pay their bills, and also the fact that we needed um, to reform some of the institutions uh, the, to, to, to improve the, the, the way that uh, the country is governed. That was his way of restoring trust. And that was, I think, what the early debates are mainly about. It just drifted towards and migration, and the voters said the issues were things like housing and healthcare, which uh, weren't discussed an awful lot during the campaign uh, early on. But as we got into the debates, uh, immigration just started to swallow everything up and become the issue everyone talked about. Partly because, uh, as you say, Dylan Yeshulgas made it a big campaigning point. It was the point on which the, the previous cabinet collapsed. Also, of course, it was Wilders as a big campaigning point. It has been for 25 years. It's been his raison d'être. It's been, uh, you know. The, the thing he's uh, he's built his whole career on and so every discussion then about housing became well it's because the foreigners yep. are buying up all the houses it was about healthcare it was the foreigners are filling up all the health, all the hospital beds and uh, and because Yeshilgas was making immigration her big issue she sort of bought into this and ran with it and so she kind of that gave Wilders the space to just make everything about immigration and as soon as he did that it became his campaign and yep. the voters started votes started piling up that's how I read it and um Parallel to all of this, uh, uh, Geert Wilders uh, yeah, uh, uh, presented himself as a milder version of himself from the past. He has made some outrageous proposals, such as banning the Quran, banning mosques, yeah. uh, scrapping uh, Article 1 of the yeah. Constitution. And all this manifesto still. Yeah, it's all in his manifesto. Yeah, yeah it's he, a little he bit. Wants so to, um, uh, he also wants to uh, reverse the. He wants to unapologize for slavery as well. Oh, that's his manifesto. That's another point. Yes, uh, some of the outrageous uh, outrageousness he has toned down a little bit, yeah. but yeah, it's it's all still there. Um, but he presented himself very successfully as a milder version of himself, given what you just said uh, just now, and also uh, Peter Omzicht's main one of his one of his raison d'être is that we have been gov- governed rubbishly in the past uh, 12 years mm. this is also one of the main topics of uh, of of, uh, of Geert Wilders uh, for 16 years don't trust our establishments because yeah. they are not working in your interest and 
I think Peter Omzicht also he brought this point forward as well, and I think uh, Geert Wilders also capitalized a little bit yeah, on this as well. Yeah, he created space for it, didn't he? I think Omzicht's point was slightly different. Uh, as ever, Omzicht wasn't really clear on what he actually wanted, which is a thing we'll probably come back to. But Omzicht said, said the administrative culture needs to change. But it was uh, that was easy for Wilders to leap from that towards yeah. What we need to change is the the establishment is your problem. The established parties yeah. are, are not yeah. working for you. And so he made a point about political parties rather than institutions. It was really what Omsi's point was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, that uh, all of a sudden, and I have to say, we haven't seen these these. Uh, Results, uh, right? These outcomes of, of what we just uh, we, ju- we just described uh, reflected in the polls until uh, the Saturday before uh, the actual election. All of yeah. a sudden, uh, the PVV had this sharp rise. They were they were rising steadily. That's true, but this extremely sharp rise only on, we only seen on Saturday, and that's created a whole sort whole new sort of uh, media dynamic. Voters. Um, on average, they base their vote on uh, what they see and what they read uh, a couple of days before the election. And when you see that the PVV is rising in the polls and uh, he is uh, presenting his milder version version of himself, people probably thought, "Oh, this is uh, probably all of a sudden a uh, an acceptable option." And yeah. we considered him before. Uh, perhaps this is the time that he can uh, actually start leading the country. Yeah. So it's a combination of Wilders being or presenting himself as uh, more palatable to uh, centre-right rather than far-right voters, but also yeah. tactical voting. And people then had to yeah. make up a cho- make a choice in the polling booth between do I vote for Fefefe or Fefe Day yeah, in order to keep the left out. And there was a lot of that going on. And people went for the Fefefe and that boosted his vote. And uh, yeah, the left-wing parties blame Dylan Yesokas, of course, 100% for this uh, election result. So we have the curious uh, 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 case that uh, the favorite day is responsible for the loss of the favorite day. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that that's something that the favorite day is blamed for. Um, so uh, we need a new government, of course. Uh, mm. We're going to yes. need a new coalition. That means that. Uh, Parties will need to find a majority of 76 seats at least. Yeah. And um, this will probably lead to a lot of headaches by parties because uh, the PVV, even though it is uh, uh, called the Party for Freedom, uh, it has proposed a lot of uh, yeah uh, ideas that uh, restrict the freedom, restrict freedom of, uh, yes. of a, a large group of, uh, of people living in the Netherlands. Yeah, about uh, a million people. Really, about, about a million, million Muslims in the Netherlands and those are the people whose, restri- whose freedom is uh, under threat from the Party for Freedom, it's fair to say. And when I uh, when we recorded uh, uh, the episode on Wednesday, I turned on my television after we just finished and the first thing I heard was Geert Wilders saying it would be very undemocratic to ignore me. Uh, yeah. But yeah, this... Uh, this uh, to come to hear the words undemocratic coming out of his mouth is a, is, is a bit rich given that he is leading a political party that is as undemocratic as it can be yeah. it only has one member that is Geert Wilders himself he rules it uh, as a as an authoritarian uh, uh, president in, uh, in 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 a country not far from uh, from a couple of thousand kilometers to the east from here yes uh, he is just uh, giving orders to his MPs and they do what he is saying yeah no no um, his MPs are a hand picked list of candidates by him you know, by no, him and there is no there's no party conference there's no no party you know, conference yeah. uh he 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 
writes the party manifesto himself. So yeah. um, it is an undemocratic, uh, an undemocratic yeah. uh, uh, party. And of course, a lot uh, of his policies just run fly in the face of the Dutch constitution. They actually yeah. wouldn't be accepted. Things like you know, he wants to close um, uh, mosques. He wants to ban Islamic schools. Um, you know, this is just he wants to take away the passports of people who've been convicted of offences, even if they only have one passport, which is against the Geneva Convention. You know, there are lots of things that you just couldn't legally do. And he uh, he has been saying during the campaign and also after the election in his uh, in his victory speech, he said, "Yeah, I'm going to park all my unconstitutional proposals. <laughs> I put it in the fridge uh, for now." Uh, but yeah, yeah. but he also says it's core, in our DNA. It'll never, it it'll never be DNA. wiped out. So it is yeah. in our DNA to be unconstitutional. Yeah. Yes. So so like so, a tumor, it will grow back at some point. At some point, and yes. even in his victory speech, he um, uh, he he uh, he lost uh, he lost himself a little bit, I think, because he started ranting about asylum tsunamis, uh, yes. and uh, you could immediately see, oh wait, uh, I I my I'm a new milder <laughs> version of myself. I should avoid that word. Yeah, um, yeah, and also, I mean, he, he said uh, after speech, he wants to be prime minister for all. Dutch people, yeah. everyone in the Netherlands, but he also said, you know, we are sick and tired and I want to put the Dutchman at number one. And you know fine well when he says I want to put the Dutchman at number one, he means white Dutch people, right? He doesn't yes. mean people who've uh, came, whose parents came here from Suriname or Turkey 20 years ago and have grown up here but are still called Moroccans. And... Um yeah, GroenLinks, PvdA, the number two uh, in the Tweede Kamer now, they uh, flat right rejected uh, the idea of, of stepping into a coalition with the PVV. So that is not an option mm. for Wilders. Uh, but the, the number three and four, the PvdA and NSA, they um, they have opened the door a little bit for it. And they are probably wrestling with yeah, what we have just been mentioning. It is a, a fundamentally unconstitutional, unliberal partner. And yeah. uh, the PvdA has tried it before with, uh, with the PVV. And 2010, yeah. of course, which wasn't successful. Uh, Peter Omzicht too, by the way, because he was a CDA MP back then. Um, and um, yeah, on the one hand, they feel like yeah, we cannot uh, uh, re- reject um, 37 seats, uh, uh, right? We we, we cannot yeah. tell these voters, yeah, we're not going to take you seriously. Uh, but on the other hand, um, are, do they trust? Uh, it will us to to be this new form of himself. Yeah, it's it's exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's and a real news dilemma. Out, for yeah, them. there's news coming out this morning as we're recording that the FFD have now just uh, stepped up and or come out and said we are not going to go into the cabinet. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, no, yes, just come out. Did, did, yeah, just have a look at uh, what Molly posted in. Um, WhatsApp group. Okay, yeah, um, the news is coming quick. Uh, it indeed. is coming very quick. Uh, as, yes, so Yeshuk has said that uh, she that she will she will be um, a supporting partner, but she will not be in the cabinet. So the is she proposing to be a gedoog partner? She wants to be a gedoog partner. Exactly <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah, which is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, given that yeah, in 2010, Wilders became a gedoog partner, a, a supporting partner for the for Fevedele cabinet, and it collapsed after 18 months. So wow. that means if Fefe Day would not be in the cabinet, they would not supply ministers. There would be, so then again, this is another issue with Wilders. Who is he going to pick for his team of ministers? He has nobody. He has no experience of government. The PVV has no experience of government. So the Fefe Day, which has been the party of government for the last 12 years, will now not supply any cabinet ministers. Uh, and the PVV doesn't have any capable MPs. Um, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Wow. 
Um, this is a shocking turn of events. It is. Um, Peter Omzicht of New Social Contract, he has said during the campaign that he is uh, not going to work together with the PVV because of their unconstitutional proposals they have done in the past. Yeah. On election night, uh, when it was very clear that the PVV was the big winner, he said in his speech that uh, he was uh, willing to take responsibility, to step over his shadow, uh, mm. that the, the country needs to be governed. Of course, everyone understood that as uh, yeah uh, uh, I'm willing to uh, to uh, to to enter talks with the PVV yeah. but the day afterwards he um, yeah he blamed journalists for how dare you <laughs> <laughs> interpreting my words uh, yeah. like like I've uh, like I've said them uh, yeah uh, and, uh, yeah I made myself perfectly unclear how can you yeah. possibly have misinterpreted me <laughs> <laughs> yeah apparently yeah, he made himself unclear yeah. um, he said that yeah I still need to uh, discuss this with my new faction uh, to see what uh, what our lie will be yeah uh, but yeah, yeah. It, this is this is this is becoming very annoying uh, it's becoming a habit to be Tom's like, doesn't it just being yeah. incredibly vague and ambiguous and ambivalent about everything and it's probably cost him uh, seats uh, in this election uh, yes, actually quite indeed. frankly um, and yeah but, 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 but Pete Tom's like, he says he wants to have uh, a cabinet of uh, technocrats of experts uh, a kind of uh, Macron style uh, uh, cabinet of uh, people who come from outside politics uh, so he could possibly supply some ministers to a cabinet but they that is what uh, usually that yeah. is what a Zaka cabinet usually refers to people from outside yeah. politics with direct uh, uh, experience in the field and then a day later he said I've never suggested that I don't want any politicians to become ministers they can be member of politics yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's the same story with, uh, with Peter Omtzigt a bit yeah. tiring I have to admit yeah. so um, yeah so the, 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 the first uh, uh, yeah, more straightforward coalition would be PVV, VVD, NSA. Yeah. Uh, we just heard that uh, Dylan Yesokus is not willing to step into a coalition, so that version seems to be off the table. Yeah. Then I think, uh, yeah, if these parties decide not to cooperate with the PVV, which they uh, say, yeah, they are tending uh, towards now, I think, mm. then uh, the second more logical uh, combination is GroenLinks PVDA. Yeah. That would mean uh, Prime Minister Frans Timmermans uh, in a coalition with VVD, NSA, and perhaps T66. Possibly D66, yeah. Um, I mean th- that would uh, yeah be uh, I think that combination would come under fierce attack from Kit Wilders because you'd say look two of the parties that failed the last time and that were yep. punished by the voters are now coming back into cabinet um, so yeah I think that, that and he will call that undemocratic even though they have a ma- they, yeah. they have a majority would have a majority in uh, in uh, in uh, in the Tweede Kamer which yeah sounds democratic um, well it is but uh, yeah <laughs> but you can see how Wilders is going to spin this. Yes. Uh, other options, I don't think there really are, right? No. Um, I mean, you need no. to mention the farmers as well, because the BBB have 16 seats in the Senate. You need uh, to pass all laws through the Senate. So they are going to be a factor in these talks, I think. Um, and Paralan van der Plas has said she's willing to work with the Wilders cabinet as long as Wilders tones down some of the things he's already said he's going to tone down, like uh, and, banning the Quran. And, and yeah, they are also are... In- relatively un, uh, anti-establishment party just like NSA so they would might be able to change uh, 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 the administrative culture in a way that uh, PVV voters might uh, might agree with yeah. uh, but that would mean GroenLinks, PVDA, VVD, NSA and BBB that would make a coalition of 76 seats yeah. <laughs> just like we've had in the past uh, 
yeah, more or less. Well, yeah, uh, we have Rutte's third cabinet. Certainly. Yeah, we had yeah. we had uh, we had uh, similarly small uh, coalitions in the past. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's. Uh, so th- those are the two obvious uh, uh, options. Uh, we we have months of months of, uh, of months negotiation of talks, talks yeah. to to uh, to look forward to. Uh, let's look at what is happening today because on Friday morning, uh, actually right now, as we are recording, uh, the new newly elected faction leaders uh, will meet with uh, current Tweede Kamer chair Vera Bergkamp, who is yeah. outgoing and finding her replacement is going to I be. I bet she a, can't wait to finish. You yeah, know? she can. She, she's got a very big bottle of Prosecco in the fridge for when she's <laughs> got through these per- <laughs> these coalition yes. talks. And finding a replacement for her is going to be an, an entirely different circus in it itself. It is, yeah. I mean, obviously Wilders um, is going to push very hard to have his uh, his favoured candidate, Martin Bosman, made a par- chair of parliament. What are, what are I was going to say? Yes, we have the uh, constitutionally dubious uh, twilight zone of uh, having elected uh, members of parliament, but they are not yet installed. That will yeah. happen on October 6th. Uh, they want to already uh, start uh, from form- forming a new cabinet, but there is a problem. The Tweede Kamer is uh, taking the initiative in this. That is leading the uh, the coalition uh, process, the formation process, but it's not yet installed. So yeah, yeah it, 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 this is uh, this is uh, the constitutionally twilight zone, constitutional twilight zone, uh, and that's why they are now going to select a verkenner. And yes. after two weeks, that person will magically transform into an informateur when it enjoys uh, the majority support by the uh, new uh, new co- new um, uh, configuration of the Tweede Kamer. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, Johan Remkes has already thrown his mobile phone into the sea. <laughs> And because uh, yes. he, he's been on the radio and TV saying, don't call me. I, yeah. I, I think he called the radio himself just to, uh, <laughs> yeah, just to rule himself out for as everyone. the Kenner. Yeah, yeah. I have a message for everyone. Don't yeah. call me. Um, no, there was some... Uh, some um, uh, suge- the PVV is, of course, the largest party, so they can uh, appoint uh, a Kenner. And it was... Um, uh, expected that that might be um, outgoing SGP leader Kees van der Staaij. Yeah. It was actually tweeted by a fake PVV account, which <laughs> some media trapped into. Yeah, um, and then some PVV names names as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it was some. I, I heard someone saying that Martin Bosma, uh, so that's the number three of the PVV, also retweeted that fake PVV account. But yeah. I haven't seen any screenshots or something. But oh, it right. definitely falls into the realm of possibilities. I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if that happened because the PVV is also, as already said, an undemocratic party, but also a very yeah. closed part party. Um, uh, MPs don't seem to. Uh, cooperate as much as uh, as is the case with other parties. They uh, usually don't know what's happening with other with their colleagues, direct yeah. colleagues, uh, and also journalists don't have uh, as much as access to the PVV as with other parties. No, they, they famously just don't answer the phone. Uh, no, indeed. It also party office, yeah. and that's also complicated by the fact that Geert Wilders is in the highest form of uh, of of, uh, of, sec- of of uh, security, yeah. uh, and his uh, the whole PVV wing of the Tweede Kamer is uh, is completely sealed off from the rest of the complex. Journalists can just walk into everyone's office, but uh, that's not the case for the PVV. It's yeah. completely sealed off. Yeah, yeah. I see. Uh, by the way, uh, just to uh, break out, uh, Caroline van der Plas has uh, arrived uh, with a fleet of seven tractors. Oh, seven! Seen seven oh, tractors. So yeah. Every every MP has its. Every has MP its has own, her own uh, tractor. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She famously arrived at the Tweede Kamer <laughs> two years ago by tractor, and now she has seven of them. Oh, yeah, that yeah. that makes sense. That's yeah. uh, that's definitely going to be a uh, tradition, <laughs> I think. Yes. Um, 
God, thank God they didn't get twenty-five seats, eh? <laughs> anyway, they would uh, they would need to park at the Malifeld, yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see what uh, what the uh, these informal talks uh, will lead to, uh, who the informateur is going to be. But I think it will be very difficult for Geert Wilders uh, uh, if I take into account everything that has been said this morning by other po- political uh, leaders, that he is going to be able to uh, scramble together a, a coalition. And uh, it seems right now that uh, the prospect of Geert Wilders becoming prime minister is... Uh, is uh, yeah, it is, is receding. Yeah, is yeah. receding. Yes. Yeah, but I think because he has thirty-seven seats, and because he, he is this demagogue who will keep uh, banging on about uh, ignoring the will of the people, they have to give him a serious uh, run yeah. at forming a cabinet. You know, you can't just say after day two, right, that's it. We're going to switch to another combination, possibly a Timmermans led combination. I think they've they got to go through the motions. They got to give Wilders the chance to you know to. Um, uh, to, 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 to mess things up, basically, to, 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 you have to exhaust all of the opportunity or all the options with Wilders before you go to anybody else. So it's going, it is going to take time. Yeah, and there are yeah. some theories that saying uh, give Wilders a chance at, at governing, and people will see what what uh, yeah what a uh, yeah they they hope for an LPF situation, don't they? Yeah, they, they yeah, hope that and, uh, the paper fair will just fall apart under the strain of having to actually run the country. Yes, and others yeah. uh, are saying well, yeah. When, when we're we... having to make budget cuts because the economy's not doing well. Uh, yeah, you remember yeah. last time builders walked out because he wouldn't sign up to a budget cuts package. And socially, economically speaking, he is a left-wing party. Yeah. Uh, some analysts say so. Uh, yeah, that uh, they are usually not as good at uh, cutting cutting budgets uh, as uh, as the traditional right-wing parties are. Yeah, well, it's um, a high spending party. I think the point is, yeah, if you look at a, 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 a proper left-wing party, they will have a, they, they will have make some attempt to balance the books, but. Uh, Wilders done none of that. He's just said we're going to cut taxes, we're going to raise spending, and it doesn't add up. And his party manifesto is definitely not as uh, detailed as uh, as other as is the case with other parties. So yeah. he's probably in the formation process. He needs to actually start formulating plans uh, and then negotiate about it. Usually, what happens is. Political parties, they uh, sit around the table. Everyone has brought their party manifesto. They bring the, uh, the, the the calculations by the Centraal Plan Bureau and they're looking at what the effects will be. And yet you have some basis to, to start negotiating. And Geert Wilders has none of them. So it's definitely not going to be a traditional uh, negotiation process. No. Uh, that, that's also an, an issue I just, uh, I just thought about. Um, so yeah, uh, and, and another another strategy might be is if he if they exclude him from from a coalition, Geert Wilders will uh, probably be his old self again in Parliament, the yeah. the, the opposition party as he always been, and that will pro- perhaps um, uh, lead voters uh, away from him because they have voted for this milder version of himself, and yeah. when they force him to be to become his old self again, that uh, yeah that might scare people off, but yeah. These are all uh, possible strategies, and um, uh, who yeah. knows how they will uh, pan out. Yeah, and what, what I mean, what is Vilda's strategy going to be going forward? I, I think he's uh, basically going to look to say he, all he, his, his main um, hobby horse is, is, is immigration. I think as long yeah. as he gets his way on immigration, he's probably, he'll make a lot of concessions or, be, or propose a lot of concessions in other areas. I remember actually in 2010, he had this, uh, he was absolutely uh, fixed in his manifesto that he wanted to bring the pension age. 
which had just gone up to 67, back down to 65. But when it came to the talks on about, you know, very early on, he said, no, it's fine. It doesn't need to come down to 65. So mm. there'll be a lot of that, I think. He'll concede in everything except migration. And of course, the the other uh, right-wing, centre-right parties like the FFD and NSA also want to curb migration. So there's a lot of uh, particular um, potential for them to have some agreement on that. Um, ultimately, I think it is going to break down, certainly now that Yeshogas is saying that she's not going to um, go into the cabinet and uh, provide minister to anyone, any ministers mm-hmm. for the cabinet. That that smells of uh, uh, you know, passive-aggressive sabotage to me. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, but th- th- that, I think, is how Wilders uh, is going to play it. Someone uh, joked the other day that uh, Wilders is going to need to uh, do peroxide water by the wine. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very funny joke. Um, Yeah. do we yeah. have other other things to no, say? No, well, just think, uh, when, when do we think the next election is going to be? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it depends. I think, um, uh, as I said, the no, option number two, GroenLinks, BVDA, VVD, NSA, with D66 or BBB, is a good potential... Uh, they enjoy majorities in the, in the Tweede Kamer when yeah. you include the BBB a majority in the Eerste Kamer you have enough parties that uh, demand uh, 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 yeah, a new administrative culture they can they can do that I think they mm. can uh, press for that um, but of course that- so now the VVD will have to, uh, to turn back on their, their pledge not to go into cabinet um, so that's uh, an extra spanner in the works for that combination uh, well, she, she, she hasn't just said I won't go into cabinet with Wilders she says I don't oh, want to go into cabinet not coming at, yeah. at all oh yeah. okay okay I yeah. missed that point yeah. okay then uh, then I then yeah then option number two is also probably off the table yeah. I don't know uh, but if say if they if they support that coalition uh, in 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 that uh, construction then yeah. yeah you also have a majority yeah um, yeah, why not? Uh, I think that's a viable option. It, it needs negotiation, of course. But yeah, a lot of negotiation, yeah. And it, well, it, negotiation. Can, it can only be become an option once uh, Wilders is categorically ruled out, Yeah, I think, as yeah. well. Uh, uh, you know, the PFD can't uh, say uh, start negotiating with the PFDR when they're so far apart. Um, it's not irreconcilable, but there are big differences. Yeah, I think yeah, they, yeah. they can't negotiate that while the option of Wilders is still on the table, I no. don't think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, number two isn't impossible. So uh, yeah. I, I'm not as pessimistic as other people are, uh, who who uh, who say that within a year we will have new elections. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, it's definitely an option. That's true. It's not uh, it's not completely off the table. But I think the chance will be twenty five percent that we will have a new election in the coming year. What do you yeah, think? Within a year, I think it's more than twenty five percent. I think it's about fifty fifty. I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. We will uh, keep you up to date on uh, all of the latest breaking election news in the coming weeks, months, or however long it takes here on the Dutch News Podcast. Uh, so stay tuned. At Dutch News, we operate an open border policy on our Patreon page. Wherever you live in the world, if you enjoy or at least appreciate uh, our efforts to help you unfold and untangle the Dutch election results, or if you just like pitch the top waffles, please do consider becoming a sponsor of this podcast on Patreon. We will never turn you away at the border and you can pay in just about any currency, but not guilders. <laughs> Your donations do help us to spend the time researching, recording and editing this podcast so that you are marginally better informed about life and politics in the Netherlands. 
We have uh, four tiers of Patreon membership, uh, starting at Kinderdag for one euro, which is uh, two guilders 20 if you're Caroline Thunder Plus. <laughs> All the options carry exactly the same benefits, uh, so we think it should be up to you to decide how much you are willing or able to uh, donate to us. But if you can stretch a little further, you are very welcome to, and we will greatly appreciate it. Kraft and Cordle patrons do get a bonus vote in the horribly skewed OPF of the Year awards, which are coming up uh, just before Christmas as well. All patrons also get a shout-out and a chance to ask a question. Uh, and this week uh, we have some new patrons to welcome. So thank you very much to Hannah Lennett, to Pierre Font, or Pierre Font to Stas Borisenko, uh, to Rivaj. And uh, th- thank you to all of you for joining our team of patrons. And thanks as well to Malise, who is uh, coming back as a patron. Um, ah, so you. always welcome welcome back returning patrons as well nobody's got any questions for us which is good because this whole podcast is already horrifically <laughs> long <laughs> but if you do have any questions for us uh, even if you're an existing patron uh, please feel free to drop us a line through the patron page or to our email address at uh, podcast at dutchnews.nl and if you want to become a patron sponsor go to www.patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash dutchnewsnl now come to think of it, one of uh, Geert Wilders' other concrete proposals is that we should step out of the euro and we should yeah. reintroduce the Gilder again. So uh, it's another one of the ridiculous uh, ideas <laughs> that... Uh, that will never happen. Some other news now, because yeah, we don't want to uh, to to spend 100% of our time on this <laughs> depressing uh, general election outcome. Uh, so let's talk about some even more depressing thing, and that's <laughs> the price of uh, minor traffic offences. The Council of State has criticised the government for raising traffic fines by 10% in order to close a gap in the budget. The highest advisory body in the Netherlands said t- fines for speeding, driving through red lights, and using mobile phones behind the wheel should be aimed at improving road safety instead of balancing the books. They added that the level of traffic fines is no longer in relation to the nature and severity of the offenses. For example, um, how how much does it cost you uh, to drive through a red light, for example, Gordon? Do you know that? Uh, Well, it's written down here, so uh, I can tell you. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Yeah, 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 but I would have guessed, you know, like uh, probably 200 euros. Yes, 300. 300, yeah. Uh, Driving uh, while holding a mobile phone in your hands, 420 euros. Illegal parking, 120. I mean, these are just outrageous, uh, outrageously high. These are huge fines. And as people say, that if you actually hit somebody in a pub and and, and go to court, the court will often give you a lesser fine. Uh, Justice Minister Dylan Yesokus, there she is again, she wrote to Parliament in September that raising of fines was to avoid the need to cut the budget for police and public prosecution services and she admitted that it wasn't an ideal solution. Speeding will cost you, for example, 32 euros for driving five kilometers an hour too fast on the motorway, and that's up to 421 euros for exceeding the 50 kilometer speed limit with 30 kilometers in build-up areas. If you speed more than that, you will be referred to a court, and then you'll get, instead of an administrative fine, you will get a criminal fine. Which is often lower. Yeah, we we are in the situation that if you speed 31 kilometers an hour in the build-up areas, you will be fined lower than 30 kilometers an hour. So um, So if you're one of these antisocial people who drives 80 in a built-up area, then just uh, push the pedal a bit harder. You'll save yourself some money. And uh, yeah, if you uh, uh, listen to uh, Peter Omtzigt, I advise you not to listen to him too much. But uh, uh, if he's saying, yeah, we haven't been governed uh, well in the past 12 years, and you read that uh, 31 kilometers, 
kilometers an hour is cheaper than uh, than speeding 30 kilometers an hour, you think yeah, he might have a point at some uh, some issues. Yes. Yeah, I mean, even the prosecution service has said that speeding fines should be cut by 30 uh, percent yeah. because they say that they become disproportionate. I'm not against fining people for uh, using. <laughs> no, for, aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm not actually. I'm not against using fines to you know no. in, to encourage people to be better drivers, but it's reached a level where it doesn't achieve that purpose, and actually it uh, undermines people's uh, confidence and trust in the system because yeah. it's uh, it's out of all proportion to the actual severity of the offence. There'll be fewer fines, though, for drinking and driving in the next yes. few, near future. So that's a good thing, is it? Yeah, well, from July, all newly registered cars in the Netherlands will have to uh, have a connection for a device to stop cars from starting if the driver has been drinking. The device functions as a breathalyzer and it detects if the driver has been drinking too much. And if that's the case, the car is stopped from starting. So, uh, yeah, this is the alcohol slot. Politicians have been discussing this device since 2018 and yeah it hasn't been introduced yet because it's uh, quite expensive to install it in a car yeah. I think as well also they tried to install it as part of the uh, your sentence uh, if you were convicted of drink driving yeah. and the court yeah. said uh, you can't do that it's a double punishment yeah. so the only solution has been to install it in all cars so yeah. that it's not doesn't discriminate between convicted drink drivers and people who never have been convicted for drink driving yeah and then uh, yeah it uh, starts uh, intruding in, into your public sphere a little bit yeah. here it's still unclear if an alcohol uh, lock will become mandatory in the Netherlands but the requirement to have a connection installed is now part of EU law all right and another another problem with it is that it's uh, quite sensitive to fraud. So uh, yeah, you can probably uh, trick it quite easily. So yeah, yeah then well, you just get your child to breathe in for you or something <laughs> like that, don't you? For example, yes. <laughs> Uh, and the number of fines for driving under the influence of alcohol and drugs uh, in the Netherlands is rising, though. It rose to 43,000 last year, and that's up 37% uh, to the year before. We were in a pandemic back then, yeah. but there's still an upward trend here. So that's quite worrying. And 75 to 140 people die each year in alcohol-related accidents in the Netherlands. And we are starting to reach the point that driving while using your mobile phone is more yeah. deadly than uh, driving under the influence of some... More expensive. Yeah, yeah, and more expensive. Yes, it's, um, yeah, um, yeah. I'm always astonished that uh, drink driving doesn't uh, mean an automatic ban in the Netherlands. It's, uh, in, in the UK, if you're caught with any kind of level of alcohol above the legal limit, uh, you automatically lose your license for a year. One result this week that didn't come as any kind of surprise was the six-nil win for the Dutch football team against Gibraltar. The Dutch didn't have to leave the European Union to play the game, so that's good news, uh, because Gibraltar's Victoria Park Stadium is being renovated. So Orania faced the Minnows in Estadio Algarve in Faro in Portugal, uh, which is a very scenic place to play football. Also a good uh, omen for the Dutch, because it's one of the very few places where they've actually won a penalty shootout. They beat Sweden in the last 16 of Euro 2004. But they didn't really need that kind of uh, lucky rabbit's foot because uh, Gibraltar are hopeless. They lost their previous game to France uh, by 14-0, which is a record scoreline, record defeat in European qualifying matches, uh, even bigger defeat than uh, the Christian Democrats. And against the Dutch, they kept the scoreline a bit more respectable. They just lost by six. The star of the show was Calvin Stings, a Feyenoord. He scored a hat-trick, uh, including a very nice one too with Daniel Malen. His club teammate Mats Vifa and Tim Kobmeiners also weighed in with goals in the first half, while Cody Gapko bagged the sixth after coming on as a late substitute for Malen. And that, uh, along with Oranius' 1-0 home win against the Republic of Ireland on Saturday, uh, which is a pretty stodgy affair, in which Wout Weghorst scored the only goal, means they finish a comfortable 
comfortable second in Group B and now go into the third of four seeded pots when the draw for the tournament takes place in December the 2nd. Of course, the finals are being played in Germany where the current uh, head coach, Ronald Koeman, once memorably wiped his ass with a German player's shirt <laughs> after the <laughs> semi-final between the historic Netherlands and grounds. West Germany in 1988. Yeah, Definitely historic grounds, yes. Yeah. And um, Hermann Schenk-Willink, he is uh, sent to Arnhem or not? Uh, Arnhem's uh, answer to Hermann Tink-Willink. Yes, Hermann Tink-Willink is the guy who uh, pops up in every single round of coalition negotiations. And he hasn't said, don't call me. Yet. He hasn't so, said, uh, don't call me, no. So we can expect him to have some kind of role in these coalition talks, I think. But yeah, uh, Fitesse Arnhem are in uh, just terrible trouble at the moment. A couple of years ago, they were playing in Europe, but they're now bottom of the Eredivisie. That's mainly because their Russian owner, Valery Oif, sold his shares in March 2022. I think something must have happened around that time. <laughs> uh, Ask Geert Wilders, he will deny it. Yeah, he'll say he knows nothing about it. Uh, Vitesse Arnhem also been in, in lots of stories flying around that they got uh, some very dodgy funding from uh, Roman Abramovich as well. Mm. Anyway, their coach, Philip Koku, he quit two weeks ago. He'd had enough straight after their latest defeat, which is the 3-1 loss to Herefain. So now they've handed the reins to Edward Stewing who's been the standing coach uh, on no less than six occasions in the past. Uh, in 1999, 2001, 2003, 2018, 2019 and 2020. So spanning the entire of Hitbuilders' parliamentary career. <laughs> he's also been permanent coach of Vitesse for three years from 2003. And he's going to take charge of the team until the winter break in December. And he said, it's up to me to turn the tide in the coming period. So he's got a kind of uh, challenge of uh, Rob Yetten proportions to uh, revive his team's fortunes. His nickname? is uh, Mr. Interim, isn't it? Yeah, Prime must be, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I heard something like that, yeah. And one final sports story, Ajax's women played their second Champions League match this week in Rome. Uh, sadly, they couldn't uh, follow up their historic 2-1 win against Paris Saint-Germain. They lost 3-0 to Roma. In the other match, Bayern Munich won 1-0 in Paris, so Ajax in third place in their group. But it was, uh, thankfully, a very quiet night for the Benini Fountain. <laughs> Yes, and uh, if you're still there, uh, this is uh, a message of the utmost importance. Avoid Tilburg at all costs. <laughs> just just always avoid Tilburg. Yes, there's a special reason to avoid Tilburg. This, this is uh, yeah, it's usually sensible advice, but uh, this time there's a special reason. Because on Tuesday, a very rare and extremely venomous snake escaped from a home in the city center of uh, the Brabant town. Uh, the owner discovered that uh, his bright green and two-meter-long green mamba was missing from his home near the train station on Monday and contacted the authorities. The municipalities called a team of experts to look for the animal both inside and outside the house, especially as a team of experts um, specialized in finding ex escaped snakes or something. I don't know. Uh, the, 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 well, I don't know if there isn't. I think the PFF will probably be uh, demanding uh, that as part of their <laughs> coalition negotiations, uh, a snake police. <laughs> snake police yes yeah and they need some experts to keep snakes inside a home that's uh, also uh, <laughs> yeah. might be something they they're interested in uh. given how dangerous the animal is people living in and around the gouden regenstraat were asked to be extremely cautious and immediately call the municipality if they spot the snake its natural habitat is the tropics so it's unlikely that the animal has gone outside into the cold even though the tilburg municipality did receive calls from people who claim they have seen the snake those uh, turned out to be false alarm uh, how can you you mistake anything else for a bright green two meter long snake i don't know uh they, they live in tilburg so uh, they might be <laughs> under the influence of something i don't Who know knows? 
the owner, however, is 99% sure the green member is hiding somewhere inside his house. He said, I uh, just read that he's going to demolish some walls in order to uh, to find it if, in, in case okay. the, he's hiding inside the walls. Emergency services in Tilburg are in the highest state of alert and they are fully prepared in case someone will be bitten. So, yeah, if that is the case, you are in good hands with the GGD of, uh, of Tilburg. Excellent. That's reassuring. That's uh, all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. You can also back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnews.nl and earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. My thanks to Gordon Derek. I'm Paul Peters and we'll be back next week. (music) 